title of the message this morning is Rediscovering Prayer. Rediscovering Prayer. And as I mentioned earlier, this year the Lord has laid it on our hearts to focus on prayer. And the specific catchphrase is, Lord, teach us to pray. So this first message, Rediscovering Prayer. Let's get straight into our text for today which is found in Luke chapter 11 and verse 9 to 10. I'm reading from the New King James Version. I always encourage you to read in your own Bible, but uh, you can also read on the screens if you don't have your Bible with you. Luke 11 verse 9 to 10 says, So I say to you, ask. Could you please say the word ask? And it will be given to you. Seek. Would you say the word seek? Seek. Seek and you will find. And then the next word, please say it. Knock. And it will be opened to you. This is the word of the Lord to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. The same passage of scripture, let's read it in the Amplified Bible. It expands it a little bit and brings across some aspects which stand out really more. It says, so I say to you, ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock. And keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who keeps on asking persistently receives. And he who keeps on seeking persistently finds. And to him who knocks, who keeps on knocking persistently, the door will be opened. And we say the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Amen. Good. I'd like to, as a kind of an introduction, ask you this question. The question is this. Have you ever noticed that people suddenly tend to pray when disaster strikes? Think about that a moment. They suddenly tend to pray. They suddenly turn to prayer. Even people that you think, hey, that, that brother, he ain't never been praying before. And now all of a sudden, he, he prays. My goodness, a, a crisis happens, maybe an accident scene, or somebody hurts them, breaks their leg, and suddenly it's like, oh God, please help us. It's interesting, where does that come from, that tendency to cry out to God? Where does that come from? Well, I believe it's fair to say that it's actually our human nature to cry out, as it were, to, let's say, some supernatural being, and to cry out when there is trouble. It is something that is automatic. It is something instinctive, and I'm sure that you have witnessed that. I heard about a man, and he was enjoying a cruise ship experience. He was on a cruise ship, excited to be enjoying all the luxuries and so on. And he was an out-and-out atheist, and he was loudly bragging to the other people, other passengers on the ship, he was bragging about his atheism. 
And he was actually belittling anybody that was religious in any way. And he said, yeah, you guys need a crutch. And I don't need a crutch. And I don't need a God. And there is no God. And so on. And, and uh, what happened is, uh, later, a severe storm threatened the ship. A terribly severe storm that they even thought that the ship could go under. And interestingly enough that this man fell to his knees and began calling on God. This is the atheist. And apparently his atheism had all of a sudden disappeared. <laughs> but you know what? Even in an atheist's heart, deep down, there is that desire to cry out when your back is really against the wall. Perhaps it is something that God has placed there. Perhaps it is something of a memory of what comes out of the Garden of Eden, where way back when there was communication with God, and, uh, and now many years later, even people who don't know the Lord, there's maybe something of a way distant memory that we were connected to something and this desire to call out to God. And so this is what happens. People call out to God when disaster strikes. Charles Spurgeon says the following, as birds to their nests and as deer to their hiding places, so men in agony fly to a superior being for help in the hour of need. Isn't that so true, folks? Charles Spurgeon, if you've never heard of him, he was a remarkable preacher who lived many years ago. He was even referred to as the prince of preachers because he preached in with amazing power and clarity. And so some of his uh, writings have shaped some of my thoughts for the message today. And any books that you can get a hold of by Charles Spurgeon, I would encourage you to read them. Now, these prayers of desperation when disaster strikes, you know what? They are probably very honest. These prayers are honest. These prayers are truthful. <laughs> no pretenses. Suddenly people don't have to, you know, act with all this religious terminology. They just say, God help my child. And I believe that God likes truthful prayers. He likes honest prayers. He doesn't like these uh, religious mumbo jumbo rumblings. He just wants you to come before him and pray and say, God, would you undertake, would you help in this situation? And so even in these prayers of desperation, let me tell you, God can work in those situations. Even unbelievers calling out to God, God can work in those situations. And so I want to ask you this question, why do people pray? Why is this thing there, this concept of prayer there? Why do we pray? And I believe the answer is because there is something in prayer. There is something about prayer. And this is the reason why we're talking about it, because there is something in prayer. Not only do we know this from the Word of God, but we know this through experience. There is something about prayer. And I believe that we need to dig into this in a greater way. Let me say, prayer is God's idea. How many of you agree with that? Prayer is God's idea. He established prayer. He initiated prayer. Prayer was never our idea, it was God's idea. 
And I believe that God created hunger to be met with food. God created thirst to be met with water. And God created prayer to be met with answers. Do you believe that? Not only with answers, but with fellowship and communion with Him. God created prayer to be met with results, to be met with answers. And it would be unfair of God to create a desire and place a desire within us, namely prayer, which could produce no results and was just a fruitful, fruitless exercise. It would be unfair of God. But I want to say prayer is God's idea. Over and over again in the Word of God, He says men ought to pray. We should pray. This is how you should pray. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Pray about everything the Scripture says. So, point number one of three points I want to share with you. Number one, Jesus gives us the weight of His authority when He says, I say unto you. Please say that with me. Jesus gives us the weight of His authority when He says, I say unto you. And there is the scripture on your screen, Luke eleven nine, from the King James Version. It says, and I say unto you, ask. By the way, folks, isn't this so wonderful that Jesus says this, that we have this invitation to pray that prayer is not something that, you know, you, you, you can't get through and it's an impossibility. But Jesus is saying to you that I say unto you, ask. And I want to say to you that there is this invitation that Jesus makes to you today. And would you respond? And would you realize that you are at liberty to ask of your Father, to ask Jesus, to trust the Holy Spirit for certain things? And so there it says, I say unto you. Now, I'd like to just emphasize that these are the actual words of Jesus. He is speaking to you today decisively. He is speaking to you purposefully. And I'd like to ask that you take note carefully of the words that say, I say unto you. This is Jesus. Jesus says, I say unto you, I, your teacher, I, your master. I, your Lord, I, your God, I, your Savior, I say this unto you. And if you are a disciple who is serious about Jesus, then the words that Jesus says you value. Am I right? Everything that Jesus says is a priority in your heart and life because you value your Savior. And you should value these words. I say unto you, let them come into your heart as a new revelation of the invitation from God. And so Jesus' words are true. They are to be trusted. Let me tell you, folks, he cannot make a mistake. He cannot lie. He cannot be deceitful. And so if he says to you, I say unto you, then you know what? That that is the end of the matter. That is the end of any debate because it is my God that has said this to me. Amen. Now, despite the fact that Jesus lovingly invites you and I as his children to ask, in other words, to pray, Strangely enough, some people think that they are more clever. Some people come up with objections to prayer. And they say, no, I don't believe in prayer. I've stopped praying. 
I don't believe in prayer because of this, and I don't believe in prayer because of that. One objection that often comes up regarding prayer is people say, well, prayer cannot work because God has set the laws of nature in motion, and those laws must continue whether we pray or not. So whether we pray or not, it's not going to make any difference. Maybe you've thought that. Maybe you've heard somebody making that objection. Well, I want to say to you that our Lord is more powerful. He is more powerful and he can do miracles without stopping or suspending any of his natural laws. And by the way, may I remind you that all of those natural laws are in place by his power alone. It's not like he's under these laws and, oh, if only I could break through. No, no, no. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And so let it be said to you clearly today, the Lord is so powerful that he can perform miracles without suspending or stopping any natural laws. For instance, every now and again in South Africa, we hear this terminology of the El Nino weather system. And people say, well, we cannot expect good rains because there will be a lack of rain because of the El Nino weather system. But I want to say to you clearly today that our God is more powerful than that pattern. Amen? Our God is more powerful than that system. And it doesn't matter what seems to be happening from the natural laws at any given time. Our God is more powerful and He can send abundant rain right in the midst of that situation. Amen? Let us be believers what God says. He rules. He reigns. Another objection to prayer is people say, well, prayer probably can't work because, you see, before the world began, God decreed everything that must happen and he, settle, he settled it, he established it, and so we can't change what God has decreed. And some people say, well, that sounds like a pretty good spiritual answer for why we cannot pray. It's settled by God already. You cannot change anything. That's what they say. Well, I want to tell you, that God knew way back then that we would pray. And in fact, your prayers are part of what was decreed long ago. Your prayers, sir, ma'am, are part of that predestination. Even your very prayers were ordained by God. Isn't that amazing? And so I believe that in the light of that, that we should pray with a purposefulness in our hearts because knowing that we can pray confidently because prayer changes things. Would you say to the person next to you, prayer changes things. Come on, tell them that. And in terms of our prayers being part of what is predestined, let me read this to you from Spurgeon. He says, destiny decrees that I should pray. I pray. Destiny decrees that I will be answered. The answer comes. So when we pray, we are producing links in the chains of ordained, in the chain of ordained facts. Can you believe that? Now, I want to re-emphasize something, taking you back to Luke 11 verse 9. And here we see these beautiful words, which maybe have never stood out for you before. But here we see the words, and I say unto you. I want to ask yet again, who is speaking here? Is this not the name above all names 
that is telling you this that I say unto you? Is he not the one who sustains all things? Is it not the one who is qualified to speak that is saying this? Is it not the one who made all things and stretched out the very heavens and established the foundations of the earth that is saying this to you? Is it not the one who is with the Father from the very beginning? Is it not the one who made everything and by him everything was made and nothing was made that was not made by him? Is it the one who, who knows the purposes of the Father? And I want to say to you, yes, it is. Who is saying this is the one who knows the purposes of the Father. The one who is saying this is the one who is worthy to break the seven seals. He is the worthy Lamb of God. And I want to say it loud, I want to say it clear, that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, He is saying to you today, I say unto you, ask, and it will be given to you. Won't you trust in God? Won't you trust in His Word? And so I want to say, I speak against doubt in this place. People that have developed some sort of a mindset of doubt, of mistrust towards God. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that from the people of God. Anyone here in this place, anyone under the sound of my voice, come on, just pray in the Spirit for a moment, out loud, right now. Pray a little louder, please. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, that there is a breaking of doubt. There is a breaking of suspicion concerning your faithfulness. And we declare that we will be the ones that trust in you, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You give us the weight of your authority when you say, I say unto you. So let doubts be scattered. Amen. Amen. Now, number two. Jesus gives us the power of his promise when he says, ask and it will be given to you. Now, just to clarify, the first point sounded very similar, but it was different. The first point was Jesus gives us the weight of his authority when he says, I say unto you. Now, the second point is Jesus gives us the power of his promise when he says, ask, and it will be given to you. And the scripture backs it up in Luke 11, verse 9. It's on your screen. It says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. Now, child of God, do you realize what you are reading on the screen there is a promise from God? This is a promise from heaven. I believe promises should be claimed. Promises should be acted on. Promises should be believed. And so this promise tells us that true prayers will be effective. Now, obviously, we need to know that our prayers need to be prayed through Jesus Christ because there is only one mediator between God, uh, God and man. It is the man, Christ Jesus. Our prayers need to be prayed through Jesus. They need to be prayed in line with his promises and his will. But having said that, the promise tells us that true prayers will be effective. I want to say that again. True prayers will be effective. Now, our passage this morning mentions three types of prayer. In just these two verses, there's three types of prayer that come out. I've heard people say, listen, there's so many types of prayer. 
I saw an article speaking about 12 types of prayer. Here, just in this passage, we see three types of prayer. I would submit to you that actually maybe there's many more types of prayer if you look at it in detail and from different angles, but don't let that confuse you. Three types of prayer in this passage. The first one is vocal prayers. Would you please say that? So vocal prayers is confirmed by the scripture, ask and it will be given to you. What is vocal prayers? Vocal prayers is, I would submit to you, where you ask out aloud. You raise your voice. You lift your voice to God. You make your request known to God. Another scripture says, make your request and your petitions known to God. Let me give you an example of this. Maybe you're sitting there and you're finding yourself very stressed and, and you just pray out to God and you say, Lord, I ask you for your peace. I need your peace. And Lord, after all, you are the Prince of Peace. You have endless bountiful supply. And I'm your son. I'm your daughter. Therefore, I should be able to experience more peace in my life. So, I ask this vocal prayer and I say, Lord, please give me your peace. A second type of prayer indicated here is pursuing prayers. Would you please say that out loud? Backed up by scripture, seek and you will find. Does seeking sound like a pursuing type of prayer? This is where you are, I would submit to you, you are trusting for certain results. You are seeking uh, an outcome and you are pursuing a de the desired end. Let me give you a little example, maybe something that has happened recently. We congratulated Matrixia today. Now, Maybe trusting for those matric results could be an example of a pursuing prayer. Maybe, yes, you've asked God, and now you've asked Him several times, and now it's at the point where you're not even verbalizing it, but in your heart, there is a certainty. In your heart, there's an expectation. You are believing in your heart for a favorable outcome. That is a pursuing prayer. Maybe in another example, there might be somebody here today, and you are trusting the Lord for a child. Yes, you have asked, but where you're finding yourself right now is there's not so much a whole lot of asking right now. There's a, there's a pursuing prayer. There's a seeking prayer. There is an expectation from God. There is a certainty in your heart that God is going to come through for you. Just one other quick example of a pursuing prayer. Do you remember the story of the lady with the issue of blood? I want to tell you, hers was not an asking prayer. It doesn't appear from Scripture that she asked anything. But boy, oh boy, she was a seeker. She was demonstrating pursuing prayer, seeking prayer. So much so that even without saying anything, God touched and healed her as the power flowed out of his garment into her. A third aspect of prayer, a third type of prayer is tenacious prayers. Please say that out loud. And here the phrase from the scripture says, knock and it will be opened to you. I kind of feel that when you begin to actually knock, there's a little bit more of a determination in that, right? I think of that song, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. All right, I don't know all the other lyrics, so don't, uh, don't shoot me down afterwards, but I like that little phrase, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. And so here, this kind of prayer, tenacious prayers, 
you are resolute. You finished waiting. There is a holy determination in your spirit and in your heart to seek the answers of heaven without any delay. And let me give you this little example. When I was thinking of a a, a knocking prayer, that kind of a tenacious prayer, I battled to come up with an example, and then the Lord reminded me of something. In 2004, while I was still part of our previous church that our family had been involved in, there I was one morning, and uh, I was shaving, doing that very spiritual thing of shaving. And there I was, busy shaving in the morning, And while I was shaving, an urgency rose up in my spirit. And suddenly there was this urgency within me. And I said the following to God. I said, God, I have got to move on. I have got to move on. I am done waiting. And you know what I believe was happening right there is I was knocking. I was knocking because I had been through the stages of vocal prayers and pursuing prayers, and now there was a holy desperation. Some of you know exactly what I'm speaking about, a holy desperation that rises up in your heart, and now you say, God, I sense even by your spirit, the answer is coming now, and so I knock, and I call that answer into existence in the name of Jesus, and you know what God did? He opened up a door of opportunity for me. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? He opened up the door. Some theologians have suggested that you grow from asking to seeking to knocking. I don't know, maybe that may be the case, that there is a a growth of intensity. But uh, let me just tell you this. I want to just say this to you clearly, that you do not need to have a bachelor's degree in prayer. You do not need to have some special gift of prayer. You do not need to have some talent for prayer. All you need to know, according to the Word of God, is that you know how to ask, you know how to seek, you know how to knock, and anybody can do that. Children can do that. And so I want to encourage you saying that this is not above you, above what you can gain and and get to, but God has made it simple for all of us. And so we need to begin to ask in a new way and knock in a new way and seek in a new way, knowing that God is saying, ask, seek, and knock. That is all that is required. And then the promise comes into being, it will be given to you. The other promise, you will find the other promise, and it will be open to you. Come on, touch somebody next to you and say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Now, the last point. It might seem similar to point number two, but it's very different because this is an emphasizing of something now. Point number three, Jesus testifies that the pattern has always been and will always be that the asker receives. Let me confirm this from Scripture. Luke eleven ten it says, for everyone, take note of that word, For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. And I'd like to submit to you today that as you look at that, I want to say to you that this is the pattern that Jesus has established. This is the pattern. This is the way it works. God always hears the prayers of someone who asks in faith. It is the pattern. 
And so be encouraged that you're not, you know, praying to some reluctant God who, who doesn't want to, no, no, no. He's a God that loves to respond to the heartfelt, sincere prayers of his people. And so God always hears the prayer of someone who asks in faith. And in fact, it is fair to say there are no exceptions. There have never been exceptions. There will never be exceptions because God's word is true that everyone who asks receives. Let faith arise in your heart today. It's always been the case that the sun rises every morning. And in the same way, it's always the case that true asking will be followed by receiving. And so I want to say to you today, if you are tempted to have a negative mindset about prayer, Jesus is challenging you today with his own words because he is declaring to you today that prayer is effective. Prayer is effective. Prayer is effective. Obviously, we need to keep in mind that there are some other scriptures that we need to keep in mind, and there's also common sense that tell us that this is not some sort of a weird, magical blank check that gives us, you know, all fleshly things and silly desires and frivolous answers that we ask of God. No, that's not the case. This is not a genie in the bottle situation. Our request, yes, they need to be in agreement with God's word. But when that is the case, listen to this. Answers are the order of the day because God is telling you here that this is the pattern. Asking is one thing and receiving is the other thing. And this is the pattern that he has established in the same way that he has this pattern that the sun rises every morning. Is anybody being encouraged by this today? Amen. Praise the Lord. This is the pattern. Do you know that in the Old Testament, God even answered prayers of some wicked people. One of them was Ahab. Another one was Jehoahaz. Another one was the people of Nineveh that God answered their prayers when they humbled themselves before God. And I want to say that if God could answer the prayers of such people, how much more? Well, he answered the prayers of you, blood-washed children of God. Let faith arise in Jesus' name. We also know in Scripture, just one or two quick examples, that God answered Hannah's prayer for a child. God answered Solomon's prayer for wisdom. God answered David's prayer for forgiveness because he is a prayer answering God and he is faithful. And let me just, uh, as I draw to a close, say that sometimes... God will answer a prayer immediately. And sometimes God will allow there to be some time before that prayer is answered because his timing is impeccable. Now, I want to end off with a quotation, and it's on your screen. This is actually a very powerful statement. If you can please bring it up. It says here, listen carefully, God will always give in response to our asking, or he will give us something better. A no answer means that he knows our request would not be the best for us, and his denial then is better than our petition. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful God? And so that even, let's call it an apparent no, is in fact a wonderful answer to prayer from your loving Heavenly Father. 
Would you join me and stand as we pray? Father, we come before you and we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for this promise that you've given us in your authority, with your testimony, with your power, confirming your promise. And we as your children today, we say we receive your word like little children into our hearts. And we ask that faith would begin to grow in our hearts in a new way. We pray, Lord, I pray for this congregation, everyone under the sound of my voice. I pray that in this year, 2019, we would begin to pray like never before. And we put before you, Lord, this very thing of prayer that you have laid on our hearts. And that statement, Lord, teach us to pray. Won't you please say that with me? Lord, teach us to pray. Say it again with me. Lord, teach us to pray. Even one more time. Lord, teach us to pray. And so, Father, we are expecting great things from our awesome and mighty God this year. In the matchless name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Hallelujah. God bless you. You are free to go. Have a wonderful Sunday.